Good morning, Church. Our scripture for today is um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 to 9. This is the new commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all these statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And this words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets, as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The word of the Lord. Thank you, M.M., and here is today's sermon. Good morning, church. We, this year, have been flying through the story of the Bible. In the past few weeks alone, God has rescued the Israelites from their slavery in Egypt so that they can come out and worship Him and be His people. He gave them the law so that they could know how to follow Him, they rebelled against him and had to spend 40 years wandering the wilderness as that generation died off and their kids became adults. And now we have finally reached the edge of the promised land. The Israelites are getting ready to go into the land that God promised to give to them. And as they enter the land, Moses is going to die. Joshua is going to take his place, leading the people into the new land. But before he dies, Moses gathers the entire nation of Israel together to give them one final reminder of who God is and what it means to follow him. And that reminder is the book of Deuteronomy in our Bibles. And today we're looking at a passage in the book of Deuteronomy that covers what Jesus calls the core central command of the entire Bible. It spells out not just what we're commanded to do, but also how that teaching should impact our family lives and our parenting, which I didn't actually plan this out in advance, but ties in really well with Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of our moms out there and to all of the ladies who are spiritual moms who, even if you don't have biological kids of your own, who invest spiritually in other people's lives. That's such a huge calling that God has given us to be investing in others spiritually. And so, happy Mother's Day to all of the ladies in the church. We're so thankful to have you here at the bridge as part of our church family. And today, what we're going to see as we look at this passage is that God calls us to love Him and teach our kids to do the same. God calls us to love Him and teach our kids to do the same. So before we look at the passage, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what a blessing it is that you have spoken to us and told us what you expect of us if we're going to live as your people. 
Thank you that you're so good to us. Thank you for the chance to look at your word together today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, today's passage contains the central command of the entire Bible. When Jesus was alive, he was asked during his ministry, what is the most important command in the entire Bible? And he pointed to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, which also, if you've been following our church Bible reading plan, happens to be our memory verse for the week. So if you know these verses, if you've memorized them this week, go ahead and say them along with me right now from your home. You can keep your computer muted, but just say them along with me. They say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. It's a big command, huh? Like in the Bible, think about this. In the Bible, the heart is the control center of who we are. If our heart loves something, our will and our actions will follow in living for that thing. So in one sense, God commanding us to love him with our soul and our might, it's actually overkill because if, if he commands us to love him with our heart, all the rest of us is going to fall into place as well. But God knows that we as humanity find ways to justify ourselves. We say things like, you know, I can love God with my heart, but I can still watch porn with my eyes, right? Because that's separate. But that's false. Loving God with your heart necessarily impacts every part of your life. And to make sure that we understand that and don't miss it, God also commands us to love him not only with our hearts, but also with our soul and our might. Now the soul in Hebrew is not some spiritual part of you that's contrasting to the physical part. No, it's basically your life. It's the sum total of who you are on the inside. It is Your soul is what makes you unique from the person next to you. Moses is telling the Israelites and us, if you're going to love God properly, every fiber of your being needs to be consumed by love for God. And then your might, again, it emphasizes that every part of you, inside and out, is to be shaped by this love for God. God is to be our greatest hope, our greatest desire, the primary thing that drives our everyday decisions and actions in life. Now, is anyone else feeling overwhelmed by this command at this point? Or am I the only one who feels like this is an impossibly high standard that I am incapable of reaching on my power? Because I definitely feel that way. Well, in case you're not feeling overwhelmed enough already, Moses goes on and tells us how this reality should affect our parenting in verses 6 through 7, and check out what he says. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Now let me ask you, if you're a parent, what is your primary job as a parent? Our world today says it's to raise successful, respectable children who can contribute positively to society as adults. And you know what God says to that? He says, if you are a parent, your primary job, your number one job as a parent is to teach your kids about him. And it's to show them how beautiful he is so that they will want to follow them himself, follow him themselves. And you know why that's your primary job, according to God? Because having successful, 
respectable children who contribute to society. It's great, it's awesome, it's a good thing, but if you have successful, respectable kids who contribute to society and don't know and love God, they go to hell when they die. God cares about and loves your children enough that he put you in their lives so that they can be protected from that happening to them. Teaching our children about God is a matter of eternal life and death. And God commands us to teach our children about him so that they love him, so that they will teach their children also to do the same. It's supposed to be a generational thing where love for God is taught through the generations in our family lines. I know there's a a widespread belief in our culture that says we need to stay back. We need to give our kids the freedom to make their own decisions about God in their own way. And I've spoken to many Christian parents over the year who have said something along the lines of, we try not to have too many spiritual conversations with our kids or engage them too much because we want them to make their own decisions about God. And I think on one level, you know, that recognizes the truth that you can't change your child's heart. That's true. You cannot change your child's heart. If they're going to trust in God, he needs to work in them. And it's also wise to to know your kids and know whether your interactions with them are actually going to be pointing them towards God or whether they're going to be hardening them towards God. But on another level, all Christian parents are commanded to intentionally engage their kids with the good news about who God is so that they will love him. Which means if you as a Christian parent are standing back and just letting your kid make their own choices about faith without having intentional input from you that's continually pointing them towards the God of the Bible, God says you're being delinquent in your duty as a parent. And realize in the Hebrew world, teaching, it didn't just mean sitting down and giving your kids a lecture. You do this, you do. No, no, no. It meant sharing information with them over and over and over again in different settings, different contexts, at different times. As you wake up in the morning, as you go to bed at night, as you travel from place to place, as you sit down and eat your meals, engage with them in ways that engage their hearts until the information gets through to them in a way that reshapes them. In the Hebrew world, you haven't truly taught something to someone until they have learned it. Which means you haven't truly taught your child to love and obey God until your child loves and obeys God. Which is probably going to be a lifelong process. It's a big calling for us as parents, huh? It requires us to get to know our children so deeply so we can engage with them on a level that speaks to their hearts. And I don't know about you, but I struggle to have that level of intentionality in my parenting of Judah. Because if I'm honest, so much of the time that I'm with him, I just want to do my own thing. I don't want to have to constantly be on when I'm around him because I spend enough time being on the rest of the time. I just want to have a break, maybe let him play with his toys and I can just sit on the couch and look at my phone. And when I have that attitude, I miss opportunity after opportunity to teach Judah about Jesus. And the reason I miss these opportunities is actually because I'm failing to obey that first primary commandment that we saw in this passage, to love God with all my heart. Because if I truly love God in this way, then this love and excitement for God is what's going to spill out and overflow 
out of my heart during my time with Judah. The fact that selfishness and irritation spill out of me around him shows that there's a deeper issue in my heart. My heart doesn't love God like I'm commanded to. And the reality is that's true for all of us. None of us loves God like this passage commands us to. And because of that, we're not as intentional with our children or with anyone else about loving them and teaching them God's love in the way we're, we're commanded to. The reality is that our hearts are consumed by other desires, other hopes, and other fears that crowd God out of the primary focal point of our lives. All of us take good things in life and make them ultimate in God's place. We, we turn good things into God things. And we can do this with anything. I could choose a million examples. I'll give one that probably almost all of us have been feeling this week. How many of us this week have been super stressed and or super anxious and or super afraid because of the COVID lockdowns and the fear that our family could catch COVID or get locked up? I'm so thankful that the government has announced that they're going to end the quarantines for so many people in these buildings. But the reality is, for so much of this week, these quarantines have been a huge fear on so many Hong Kongers' hearts and minds. And recognize, is it good for us to want our family to be safe and healthy? Of course it is. It is absolutely a good thing for you to want your family to be safe and healthy. But when we take that good thing and we make it ultimate in our lives, we have a problem. If our desire to be in control so we can guard our family's safety and health becomes our ultimate desire in life, that desire for control ends up replacing God and taking his place in our hearts. And when we let anything else take God's place, we act in ways that are destructive to ourselves and to those around us. We avoid our neighbors and friends like they're criminals and we cut off important relationships with people who are probably feeling really lonely and need companionship and friends during this season. We search for trying to figure out what's going on and we end up spreading rumors, speculating. We lie awake at night unable to sleep because of our stress and then the next day we're just exhausted and lack the energy to love and serve others. And so we end up being short and irritable with our spouse and our kids. And all these things happen because we've replaced God as God in our lives and put our desire for control, a good, like a good desire for our family's safety and health, we've put that above our desire for God and made it our functional God. And we do this with control, we do this with comfort, we do this with the desire for approval from others, we do this with the desire for success, we do it all over the place. I'm just using one example right now, but what's the solution for our problem? Specifically, if our problem is wanting this control. Well, the solution that's going to set us free is seeing that God is more beautiful than our desire for control. And how do we see that? Well, we see it in Jesus. Think about it. Jesus is God. He, from the beginning of creation, has had all control over the universe. And what did he do out of his love for you and his love for me? He gave it all up. 
He stepped down off the throne of the universe and came to earth as a human. And not just a human, but a baby born into a poor family. How out of control is that? And he spent his life growing up in this family. But then, as an adult, he, he got arrested and he became so weak and powerless that he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. He had the power to stop it, but he didn't. He let himself be nailed to a cross. And why? Why did Jesus give up that control that was his by right from eternity? So that you and I can have a new relationship with God. He gave up control so that you and I can love God and trust God to have control in our lives. He knew four key truths that allowed him to trust himself to God's control, even when it felt like everything in life was going wrong and falling apart. And I think there are four key truths that if we get these, if we see the beauty of Jesus, it's going to transform us. It's going to help us to understand these truths so that we can trust God with control in our lives. And the four things are one, God is sovereign. So he's in control of everything that's happening in my life right now. Nothing that has happened in the past year and a half with COVID has been a surprise to God. Nothing that has happened in the past year and a half has been out of his control. He is in control always. Number two, and this is so crucial for that number one to be good news, God is loving. So he's working every detail of my life out for my good. Not just for good in the abstract, but for my good. Now, I can't always see or understand how this is for my good, which is why we need number three, truth number three, that God is all wise, which means he's not always going to do what I want because he knows better than I do what I need. If I had God's perspective, if I could see everything in eternity and how it was going to work out, I would have asked for everything that has happened this past year and a half, but I don't, which means I ask for other things, but God loves me enough to give me what I need because that's better than what I want. He's in control. He's working for my good. He's all wise, so he knows what I need. And number four, he's patient. So he's going to take time to do all this. And God's patience is such good news when we are being slow and frustrating ourselves, but it's one of the most difficult truths to wrap our minds around and see as good news when we just want him to go faster. But if we understood all these truths, and we understood how Jesus lives out the reality of these, trusting God in the midst of the chaos and as everything is falling apart, that would allow us to see God's goodness, to see that God uses his control for good and to let go of our desire for control. It would allow us to trust God with control in our lives, even when things are stressful and chaotic. And like I said, that's one example it could play out in a million different ways in our lives. But anytime we replace God as God, we end up acting in ways that are harmful and destructive for ourselves and those around us. And it's only by seeing the beauty of Jesus that we'll return God to his proper place and love him like he deserves. But once we see the beauty of Jesus, our hearts are going to be filled with love for God and the love of God to show to others. And as our hearts fill with this love for God, that's how we're going to be able to overflow and be able to show that love to our kids. And normally in a sermon, I would 
go into giving you some examples right now of what that can look like to overflow with showing that love to our kids, but I'm not gonna do that right now because we're doing something a bit different than normal today. I'm gonna end the sermon right here. And we're gonna have some different families from the church share with us about what it looks like for them and their families to intentionally point their kids towards loving God. So let me pray for us. Let me pray for these families as they're about to share. And then I'm gonna stop talking and I'm gonna hand it over and let them share with us. Father, we thank you for your love for us. And thank you that when you command us to love you with all our heart and soul and might, that's actually a command for our good. It's a command to let go of all the other destructive loves that our hearts hold on to so that we can cling to you, the one who is in control, the one who is good to us, the one who's working for our good in all the circumstances of our lives. God, forgive us for the times we failed to love you properly. Forgive us for the times we failed to teach our children properly to love you. I pray for the families who are about to share right now that you would be speaking through them and using them to encourage and equip us as a church to be more intentional about pointing our kids towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to start out the sharing with Kevin and Heather coming to you live from the USA. Hey, everybody. It's great to see all of you. It's great to be with you. We miss you guys. We miss the Bridge Church a lot. Um, so uh, we thought of three things that we could share about um, how we are um, discipling Joy, how we're helping her to know and love God. Um, so for those of you who don't know us, we have one daughter who is two and a half years old and her name is Joy. And we also have baby number two coming um, in November. So we are excited about that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so three things that we've been doing with Joy. Uh, the first thing is every evening we have a bedtime routine, a bedtime ritual, and it's the same every night. She gets her jammies on, she brushes her teeth, and then we all sit on the couch together, the three of us, and we read a Bible story. And uh, we have a picture of Bible book that we read together, and then we pray, and we always ask Joy what she wants to thank God for today, something that she um, can praise God for from the day. And so we, we do that together every night. And, uh, so that's been a good thing. And the second thing is, um, Heather especially has been working with joy to help her memorize Bible verses. So right now joy has fought four Bible verses memorized. She's in bed right now. She's asleep because it's late, but if she was awake, we'd have her come out here and tell you her Bible <laughs> verses, four short um, Bible verses that Heather's been practicing with her. And then what's the third thing? So um, the third thing uh, that I was inspired by reading a book and just thinking about the, um, how valuable the time when they lie down is and how, I think a lot of you probably remember when you were studying in school, you know, if you had a big test, a lot of times you just review everything before you go to sleep to try to remember those things and keep them in your mind. 
and this book was talking about as parents, um, how important those last words we say to our children are. Um, so um, since reading that, I've tried to be really intentional when I'm laying with Joy as she's falling asleep to be, to be sure to share truth with her. Um, so a lot of times that's when we practice her verses, um, talk about how much God loves her um, and that she is known by God and that, you know, loved her so much that he sent Jesus. And it's amazing to see those truths settle into her heart, um, even though she's not, you know, she's just two and a half, but you can see those things just settling into her heart and they come back, you know, in the coming days um, and she um, she's learning these things. So those are the ways that we found with our little toddler to begin to, um, to teach her about God. Yeah. Thanks. That's great. Thanks so much, Kevin and Heather. Congratulations on number two on being on the way. It's great to see you today. Um, I don't know if you guys are planning on jumping off early because it's late for you guys, but I just want to say before you leave, if you do leave early, thanks so much for coming and sharing. It's great to hear from you and great to learn from you. Next up, we're going to have Arnell and Anna share. Hi, good morning. Um, yeah, uh, we have two kids. <laughs> uh, Nikki is uh, 28 years old, not that young anymore. And Paolo here is 19. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, when they were... Uh, Kiddos and very young, like uh, Kevin, um, we, uh, we have lots of uh, Bible stories. They have their own you know, children's Bible and Bible stories. And um, prayer is uh, a regular thing in our family. We make sure that um, before we sleep, we all pray together. And of course, not to mention, you know, the lunch, the dinner, and, um, but, um, you call that, um, the most, uh, important thing, I guess, is, is, um, me and Anna are intentional in showing them, uh, that the Christian worldview is, you know, the, the best, the number one, the superior compared to the other uh, worldviews in how to live your life. Nice um, avatar. For example, um, you know, uh, me and Anna, uh, you know, since we are broken and we are sinners, uh, we, we show them not only the disciplines like um, reading the Bible among ourselves or uh, individually, our devotions, but also um, to show our kids uh, even um, how we resolve our arguments and uh, differences as a husband and wife. Um, you know, there comes a time uh, as, a, as a couple wherein um, I'm trying to put her on my uh, point of view and she's trying to pull me on her point of view and we can't uh, agree on one uh, one uh, issue so what we do is that we meet in the middle that is 
what does God says about this issue? And um, what they call that, uh, that's the only, uh, sometimes that's the, uh, the last thing that uh, we both agreed upon, uh, that uh, we respect and fear uh, the word of God and God. So um, that actually makes us meet in the middle and we, we resolve our differences and issues and our kids sees that. And um, um, I guess in a practical level, it's like it's like um, teaching your kids uh, uh, music, uh, or whether it's piano or violin. Uh, as a musician, um, I keep on telling uh, other parents uh, when they ask me. Um, how, what is the best way to, you know, uh, what's the best age to teach your kids uh, music? I keep telling them uh, at the early age at home. Uh, they will say uh, they don't know any musical instrument. I said, no, uh, the first thing that you're going to teach is music appreciation, that you love music. So uh, seeing the kids seeing you, uh, listening to music, even though you don't know any instrument, you know, the kids listening, you seeing you appreciating jazz or classic or whatever music, and they, you know, you know that kids copy us. So uh, they learn to love the music because they see you loving the music. A lot of parents made the mistake of just throwing their kids to piano teachers, piano lessons, or other music instruments, lessons and lessons, but they see their parents, you know, don't love music, don't, don't yeah. So uh, somehow that's the same uh, as, as uh, showing our kids uh, uh, how to love why do we love God, you know, and they just copy us. Like Pastor Eric said, we are not perfect. Uh, so that's why um, even our struggles, we, uh, we show it to our kids. Uh, also how we resolve our differences and showing them that um, we have faith um, and it's still a continuing process. Uh, even though Paulo is 19, Nikki is 28, it never stops, man. You continue to teach them. It, it's not for just, you know, like kiddos or teenagers. My kids are big already, but as long as you, me, uh, we parents are breathing, we just continue. Um, uh, perhaps uh, the last thing I will say, um, uh, show them the journey of the Christian faith. Uh, yeah, show them. And that is uh, amazing. And uh, it's a pleasure that we are walking the journey with them. So that when God, when God takes us away, then they have the, you know, the strength to continue the journey. Peace. Ah, thanks, Arnella and Anna. That's, man, a lot to think about. 
I don't know about you. I was challenged by that line. It never stops. It's a little bit scary, but also encouraging because it means that if they haven't got it sorted out by age like 13 or 16, you still got time, right? Um, our next person to share, uh, we've been talking today about how with parenting, God calls us to be spiritual parents. And our next person is a biological parent, but right now is responsible for caring for other people's kids as part of her job. And so Adita is going to share with us about what she does in her role as a helper to be intentional about pointing the kids she works with towards Jesus. You're muted. Can you unmute yourself? Okay, thank you for one of those sharing about the gospel or to, um, about the kids where I'm working as a domestic helper. And as pastor say, we're not the perfect, no one perfect about the Christianity, but uh, I'm able to sharing the love of God to my both children. I take care of two boys, uh, 12 years old and turning nine year old next month. And yes, thank you, Lord, because they are good. They believe to God, they believe to Jesus, that Jesus is sacrificed for them, even though they're very young. They believe that what Jesus done for this earth, for this world, and they believe that Jesus, uh, God is uh, our creature. And one time we are um, uh, the bedtime were not uh, uh, not good time for me because so far they uh, have the parents at home already. But when the parent is not at home during the sleep time, we have time to pray. And it make me really cry when they're praying because at their age, when they're praying, they include people, especially those homeless, especially those in Africa that when they see they don't have food or something like that, they pray for them that God provide the food for these people, these kids, especially those uh, said no clothes, provide them the clothes or provide them medicine or give them a house, something like that. And even here in Hong Kong, when they saw a, uh, um, like a beggar here, they always, if they not, and the parents exactly, I'm there with them, they ask me even a coins to, to drop in their uh, um, like this. So I'm so proud of them because their heart is, uh, they believe that uh, they said, share what you have, even though it's very little things, it's help other already. And most of all is uh, because, uh, especially when uh, I think I'm not sure if it's, uh, I think it's Tuesday. When uh, the big brother arrived from the school, he grabbed to have a lunch because he saw 225, he has another Zoom, again, the last Zoom, and he grabbed the books because they have, mom, uh, the parents put them one book, and they, uh, the book is uh, Who Jesus Was. And he said, oh, I need to read this one because our lesson now is about uh, religious, something like that, and we are in about to learn about um, Moises. So, oh, I said, really? So what about Moises? And he said, Moises is really a very, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, he's really uh, believed to Jesus like that. And anyways, he said, I believe to Jesus already because something always taught us. And when I, I was in uh, um, YMCA school, he said, we're learning also about Jesus. So I'm so proud of him. And then the the the, the uh, 
the number two also, the nine-year-old, she said, yeah, me too. I always, uh, me and auntie always talking about Jesus. So I really, really happy because even though I'm their auntie only, they're listening to me if I'm sharing about God's love, Jesus' love, something like that. And sometimes I'm a bit sad because I'm so far with my family. It's supposed to be I'm the one to teaching them also. But I'm still trying when I'm in my uh, video call to my grandson, he's 12 years old. So I'm still trying to. And he always said, say to me, yes, grandma. And I, I really, I always go to church with my friend or something like that. And I'm trying to tell her, tell him that don't no, kneel down with the because you know, the, Christ, the Catholic that uh, they grow up is that always like the handkerchief and like to something like that. So I always I try to stop him about that and he say yes. But back to my my ward, they really very good boy. And one uh, I remember last time every time we saw brother uh, Josh outside in the circle near the marketplace and brother Josh said to say that uh, one time uh, my boss see brother just that sharing to the kids and and sharing the speaker something about God and my boss the male boss saw them and when when brother Josie is gone she really he asked me who's that guy and then the kids said nothing just always sharing about Jesus something like that and after that when we arrived home he told me that uh, auntie next time I don't want to see that God that sharing about what you're sharing to my why he's sharing to my kid. So I really, I really feel uh, sad about this. I'm upset. But the boy said, it's okay, auntie. We still believe in God. Let, I will let my dad like this. So I talked to my, my I talked to brother Josh that uh, uh, when he saw the, the kids, stop, I stopped talking to them and something like that because I didn't want him to put in trouble. So, but I'm okay because uh, the kids always say that Auntie, if my father don't believe to God, I said, don't worry, we believe to God, we believe what he's done to my life, and I'm not here. If, it's, if God didn't create me, could you imagine that is 12 years old, even the father, they will not teach them about God, but still then believe to God and to Jesus. So I pray to God that always uh, uh, give me the knowledge to continue to share them about God or Jesus or the love of God and love of Jesus, something like that. And I'm doing my best also that until I'm work with them, I continue to to share with them about the, the gospel. So that is a thank you so much, Pastor Eric, and good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for sharing, Adita. It's such a blessing to hear about the ways that God is using you, you in these kids' lives and just the power of the power of just asking simple questions throughout the day as you see things that can start up conversations. Uh, next up is Manny and Susan. You guys all connected and ready to go? Yeah. All right, you're up. Not disconnected. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for this time. I mean, one bad thing about uh, sharing at the end, right? Others will share all the points we would have thought of, right? So, uh, I think for us, uh, I think we should take a step back before the baby, before the children. Uh, God made myself and Susan, uh, uh, we, he brought us in, into the same picture. 
most of you know that i was from a hindu background um, and that means like i didn't know more about jesus yeah so um, in another 10 days it will be 10 years anniversary for us so the first year actually went like we didn't have a proper understanding between me and susan uh, and susan always tell me that uh, we should focus on jesus more yeah mm-hmm. so then after one year and god made us to understand then we both started to focus on jesus then everything fall in place and till today we are having a happy married life yeah mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah is is because of uh, jesus being the center of us so Amen. from our from our children actually learning that jesus is the center of of our life and uh, he is the most important person in our family if you ask them this question who is the most important person in the family he will say jesus yeah he will say god so uh, so like like that's the importance we give like whatever we do It, we will always relate it to god so even if they do some mistake we will try to relate it with a bible story and tell them that this is why it's a mistake so rather than giving our own examples we will try to link it back to bible and also the family prayer we do uh, like we every day we will make sure the most important thing for us is the family prayer and uh, uh, they they participate in the family prayer so they will learn to be in the family and uh, they will learn to pray for each other uh, that's it i don't want to tell a lengthy one because you can you guys can remember what i'm saying <laughs> that's it thank you thanks so much manny and susan for sharing it's so great to hear about the ways that you've been working together as a team to point your kids towards jesus and the power of prayer in your family life and yeah just the power for helping your kids see jesus We have one more family who's going to share. Les and Steph, you guys are up. Hi everyone. Um wow, you know I've, I'm actually taking notes from everyone else who's been sharing here. Um I'm going to share uh, we're going to share today about uh a our, our personal perspective. Um Steph and I uh have two boys. And if any of you have two boys, you know what we're dealing with. Um But Steph and I grew up we both grew up in Christian homes. Um so a lot of what we do today in our family is is what we grew up with, you know, Bible story time before bed, prayer time before bed, making sure we say grace before every meal, going to church on Sundays, going to Sunday school. Like these are the things we grew up doing and so we continue with that. Um but just to share with uh, all of you um something a little more personal um we realized all of that stuff is is it's really not necessarily good enough um and i see that in our boys sometimes uh even though we do all those things that seem like ritual almost um what can we do uh uh that's more intentional or uh more personal in our in our uh family that we can share with to point our children to god and it starts with a realization that that we're not perfect and i think all of us have been sharing that uh today we're, we're not perfect and so we need to point our children to the perfect one who is jesus um uh so i'm going to share three things that that we do in our family one of them is because we have two boys 
we like to have role models for our boys. Um, and naturally, we tend to think, well, if they're boys, then it would be good for them to emulate other men. And in, in us helping um, to uh, guide them through their journey towards manhood, um, godly manhood, we would want them to have role models. And also, naturally, the, the first role model you would think of would be me, because I'm their father. Uh, and so maybe I take walks with the boys every now and then, one-on-one, -on -one, and, and uh, I take them out with me, and I have these man-to-man -man talks. Even when they're four or six, you can have man-to-man -man talks with them. But a role model isn't just me, and a role model isn't just um, their mother or an uncle. Uh, it's other godly men. And so it's very important, I think, that um, we have a, a community here uh, at the bridge. So we have uh, our small group, and we have other men who I consider godly men in our family, and people I would trust my children to be uh, walking with and learning from. Um, and I actually am intentional about this. We're intentional about surrounding our kids with uh, believers um, and other men. Uh, we're intentional about making sure our children hang out with people in church so they see um, so, so they they're surrounded with role models um, Proverbs 13 20 says whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm so that's the one thing that we do is is uh, role models the second is accountability and I know accountability sounds a little complicated um, for children um, but the accountability right now as children is, is to us, is to the parents. You know, you've got to, you're, they're accountable for their actions, for their words to us. But the challenge for us is to, is to point that to God, to point them to God. That they're not really accountable to us in the future. Eventually, they're, they're accountable to God, just like we're accountable to God. Um, and they need to be accountable in the sense that they need to tell the truth. And why, did, why, is, why is that? Why do they need to tell the truth? It's because our God is a truthful God. Um, we slowly want to teach them about purity in thought and deed, um, purity in their minds and their bodies. And why? Because um, their bodies are God's temple. Uh, the third thing um, I want to share is about prayer. Um, and this goes back to us not being perfect. Um, I think as, as uh, Arnell, Brother Arnell shared earlier, they, they emulate us, right? Our kids emulate us. And if our kids emulate me, then I'm the poorest of examples because uh, behind the closed doors of my house is when I freak out and when they see me do crazy things. Um, and that's, that's the type of character that they're going to emulate. And it goes back to role models again. Their ultimate role model is Christ. They're ultimately accountable to Christ. And in this last point, prayer, um, when we pray and when we teach them to pray, it, and as Sister Edita shared earlier, it's, it's really, really cool. It's really touching when kids pray because once they start doing it often enough, they really know how to pray. And they really pray for things that you wouldn't think of. At least our kids sometimes during prayer time, we'll, we'll, we'll bring up things and we're like, oh, I didn't, didn't think of that. And you know it's the work of the Holy Spirit now, um, planting that seed in them, you know, or that burden in their heart to pray for something that we never thought of. Um, so when we teach our kids to pray, we teach them that mom and dad are imperfect. Mom and dad 
can't work out their problems, let, or, let alone, uh, we, we can't work out our own problems half the time, let, let alone their problems. And so we're very intentional about showing that to them, that we, mom and dad, don't really, we don't really have it all together. Um, and so we need to turn to God in prayer. Um, so when they're going through little hardships, I know I could do a better job, but, uh, and it's, you know, so they can see it's an actual journey. It's a daily journey, taking everything to God in prayer. So like the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, that's what we're trying to do, is to teach them that their friend is Jesus and that they can take everything to Jesus in prayer. Thanks for letting us share. Thanks for sharing. So it's been great to hear from everyone. I think, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. A few years ago, someone did a study to figure out what, what is the number one predictor of whether a kid will stick with their faith after they graduate from high school. Um, and what they found in their study is actually something less than Steph just touched on. It's having relationships with different adults in the church besides their parents. And so that's, that's such a powerful thing is having relationships with other people in the church and praying for our kids and modeling for them ourselves. Um, I think those are things that have come up multiple times throughout the sharing because they're just so powerful. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up this time in prayer. And then we will split into discussion groups to discuss the sermon and this sharing time together. Father, we thank you for these families and the other families in our church who are being so intentional in trying to point their kids towards you and help their kids to know you from an early age. I pray for the parents in our church that you would give them joy and intentionality in their parenting. I pray for the kids that you would be working in their hearts to draw them to yourself and give them a lifelong love for you and desire to follow you and serve you and know you more each day.